Hello, you found Rebirth, a podcast about women saving lives by living their own. My name is Kate, and I've been fascinated with people's stories since I was very little, both as a writer and as a healer. Today, we have the absolute joy and privilege to sit down and slow down and take a sip of wisdom with Kim Murieta. She is a Waldorf-trained teacher. She's a biographical practitioner which I can't wait for you to hear more about that, an art therapist, a creative, and an entrepreneur. Kim joins us from the pristine island of Kauai, where we talk about the very unfinished, the very unfinished business of being human. Can't even say the word. The intrinsic dignity in a life lived. And we talk on the tenets of Waldorf for child development and education. No matter your age... I have, um, as I tell you in the podcast, Kim is one of my dearest friends, and I consider knowing someone that lives a life so truly committed um, to craft and beauty um, and belief. You know, Kim lives a life that she believes in, and that is, I think, one of the highest compliments I can give. We lived together in Kauai for a little bit. I've known her for a long time and I laugh because my my East Coastness and get things done and my speed was um, fascinated by this life of beauty that she creates and um, her depth. And when I watched how she cared for children and she's a teacher I mean, she is a trained, uh, in-depth, articulate teacher. Yet as an educator, and I educated older children and adults uh, professionally and then more expansively now in a different realm, um, I have a special place in my heart for people who can have the patience and the expansive creativity to hold a child in um, their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual capacity, such as um, Waldorf asks of their teachers and specifically what I witnessed in Kim. And actually for me, Kim informed my desire to investigate Waldorf um, as an adult because it was so healing. And I, I truly mean that. And I, I, I liked education and I, and I performed well. But I had never seen a classroom that was adorned in art and threaded through with storytelling and such care was given to every aspect of um, information shared and expectation that I was um, correctly baffled and had to reorganize my concept on education through meeting her. So this episode addresses all ages and and Kim has a beautiful invitation for us in the bedraggled year of 2020 to slow down and to to reconsider as we head towards the winding down of the year which is also the spiral um of winter and heading towards solstice and this um episode will be airing on the new moon when we are being asked to reconsider perhaps the care with which we would like to move forward in our own lives. So I um, am pleased 
to offer you this conversation with Kim Orieta. If you want to find out more about her, I'll uh, tag in the notes, go to her website, Create Yourself Awake or and evolutionarybiography.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Create Yourself Awake. She does work remotely with clients. She has a six-month program called Create Yourself Awake that currently only happens on island, uh, but she does do remote work for individualized and group sessions. So enjoy your time with Kim. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining us today on Rebirth. I am so excited to be here. I am really excited, too. I know you personally and professionally. Yes, you do. And I still feel that I can unbiasedly say that you are a exquisitely talented woman and teacher. Oh, that's a high honor coming from you. You and I share a whole lot in our professional lives, aside from our deep friendship. <clears throat> it's a joy to bring things about technology is and share them without compromising them. So you're tucked in on Kauai having a moment, right? I am. And yet we can still enjoy a cup of tea together. It is quite phenomenal. And I do appreciate that part of technology very much. Yeah, I can hear a lot. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to be too, you know, biased against technology. I am very grateful for technology. I really am. Well, let's give the listener. And um, so, again, this is one of those episodes that really just, I mean, I guess you could do the dishes, but don't be operating a vehicle. Like, let yourself take this one in. Um, hmm. Let's do a little bit of the roles that you have played so we can let the, the, the wisdom come through any one of them. You are a creative arts therapist. I am. You are or have instructed Waldorf education. I was a Waldorf teacher, am a Waldorf teacher, have been for many, many years. And held your own school. Correct. I moved out of uh, the kind of formal Walder school and into creating my own home school for, um, for a while as well. And we'll touch a little bit upon that because even though your, yeah. your world has uh, for you and then selfishly for me, I can just tell if you are someone that kind of comes to this podcast from a more traditional East coast background, I can, I want to talk to you about the magic of witnessing what education can be that transpired in oh. your classroom. Yes, it's, it's yes. And I know I am not alone that it changes adults because whenever we hear that something can be different, there's like relief. Yeah. And can you give us a little bit on your, you, um, maybe we'll talk a little bit about this. You, so you, hmm. you were, you held your school. We'll just jump right in. You held your school and you knew that the time for that was ending. Yes. So, <laughs> and here, here's what I want to, the reason I'm starting there, because I actually want to talk about your biography work, but I think mm. it's important to talk about when you're doing something that maybe doesn't quite fit anymore, but everyone around you is benefiting and they keep saying, don't change. And that's a really hard place to leave. It's a very hard place to leave. And, 
And I am still, even though I've said no to being in the formal classroom with the children, I, especially with COVID times, I had a whole lot of people pulling on me to go back into the classroom. And it's a hard place to leave because teaching children and Waldorf education and holistic education, we could drop the word Waldorf, mm-hmm. is so near and dear to my heart. And it's not that I don't completely love or want to devote myself to that kind of thing that I that I can do. But it was, I mean, there's so much I could say about it, but it really wasn't right for me anymore. And it took a lot of courage and um a certain amount of being able to, and this comes with age and experience, being able to stand up and in, in knowing when life is asking you to turn in another direction. And that's not an easy thing to do and trust. Um, but there was really no other option for me at that point. My body wouldn't let me teach anymore. Isn't it interesting when something can be true and clear and still difficult? And that's a, it's a sneaky place yeah. for doubt to come in. Right. Oh, there was a whole lot of doubt. And I actually held on for it too long until and this I've had in other moments in my life where if I'm not really responding to what I know in in an internal gut place, then the outside world or the universe or whatever kind of languaging you want to use, then will just take me and place me somewhere else. And that's almost what happened with this one. It was like, no, you cannot be doing this anymore. You need to move over here. So let's go to the moment. So you make the decision and the school is, you know, compacted. Students are told and, you know, it's it's not a drop off. I think that's important because there's what the listener needs to know is that we are just can traverse universes with you with the amount of wisdom. So I don't want to hang up too much here with the school, but suffice it to say that you, you take the responsibility of students so seriously, that's actually one of the reasons the school stopped. Isn't that true? Is that a fair place to say that? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. <clears throat> so the school, you know, I, I was witnessing this as, as someone that was a friend of yours. And then you, and here's the place I'd like, because the part of the idea of rebirth is listening to stories, but, but people who have enough, um, desire to share the the harder moments because it's easy to share the successes and I definitely want to talk about that but this is a tumultuous year and so I think doubt and uncertainty has come in so strongly in places that we never knew it could exist that it's good to hear other examples of of alchemizing it because it's never going to go away it's just learning how to identify it and work with it Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm saying it like that because it really was, you know, I'm leaning into my biography language here um, of the biographical work that I, but it was a really, I call these destiny moments and we can show up for them or not. Um, but again, sometimes life, if you're, if you're not listening, life will just, create a situation where it ends and I kept trying to carry it on and carry it on in in true to my personality in a creative way well if I can't teach then I'll train a teacher or if it can't be on my land then we'll move it like I was really trying to continue on the 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 container that I had created around educating children on island um but all of the all of those doors kept closing and 
there came a moment when I really had to get honest with myself. And that was incredibly painful for me Mm. because I took it, like you said, so seriously and, and held the children so deeply. Um, But on some level, I really had to trust that if I couldn't carry it forward, then it was, it was right on multiple levels, not just for me. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Can you talk? I think. To, yeah, go ahead. I don't need to go into that. You go ahead. Well, can you talk to us a little about Waldorf education and what makes a holistic education? And I'm going to let you just kind of run with this a little bit, but then how that plays into the great leap and sojourn that you took, because it's really not separate. I mean, it had to no, be. It's not separate. It had to feel separate for the continuity to continue. Right. Right. Well, for those who know nothing about Waldorf education, I, this is my way of uh, putting it into like a little essence statement. It was, it's born out of the works of Rudolf Steiner. Um, He was a philosopher, spiritualist, very deep thinker. And in my early twenties, when I was studying child development, I, when I encountered Waldorf education, I had never experienced a form of child development that was as deep as this. Whether or not Waldorf education is right for every child in the, in the world, that's another discussion. But as far as the depth, I, I could study it for lifetimes and still not get to the bottom of the well of the wisdom. Now, on a layperson's level, when we speak about holistic, holistic education is thrown around a lot these days. And it's an interesting thing for me to watch and to think, huh, do we really, really know what that means when we say it? Kim, we talk about Waldorf education, or as you have mentioned, holistic education. But what does that mean? Well, Kate, when I think of Waldorf education, I, I can't separate it from a true example of holistic education. And that word is thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm trying to explain it to people, I like to stand in front of them, literally, and, and stand as a human being in front of whoever I'm speaking to and say, if we look at the human body, we can look at it in three parts. There's our arms and our feet, which I'll refer to as the will or our doing in the world. It's, it's how we go out and accomplish things, how we actually do or willful. And then there's the torso, which um, houses the rhythmic system, the heart. And I like to explain that as as the feeling life, because the heart is there. Hmm. And then there's the head on the human being, and that's the thinking or the brain is there. So when we speak about holistic education, if we're truly educating the whole human being, and we actually look at the human being, We need to be speaking to the will, the doing, the heart, the feeling, and we need to activate the mind or the thinking. And if we're not doing all three of those at the same time in every lesson, in every class, in every theme, in every year, then we're not truly uh, educating in a holistic way. And with children and with adults, because 
when I moved from children to adults, the reason why I moved is because people kept, the adults kept saying they'd come into my classroom at night for a class and they'd say, they'd see the stuff with the kids and hear me talk about it. And they say, we want you to teach us like you teach the children. I a hundred percent can attest to that statement personally and hearing other people say it. So that's what led me out of the classroom and into committing to adults was, okay, how can I speak to the head, the heart, and the hands, the thinking, the feeling, and the willing mm. so that we feel whole? And what that means in a lesson is to give something the mind to chew on, to make sure it's imbued or ensouled with feeling, which is I believe we get to that through doing art and then to make sure the hands are busy doing something. And in the West, we have been leaning more and more and more as time moves on, especially in our, this is my whole technology thing into primarily educating the mind. And that's lovely. I don't, I, I absolutely think we should be using our mind. I don't, I'm not in an, in an Eastern thing where we need to always get rid of the mind. I think that it's a very useful tool, but if we're only educating the mind, then we don't walk away feeling filled up and rich and like we've been given something that nourishes us. Oftentimes we can feel depleted if we're just fed in the mind. I think that is part for the viewer to envision when you walk into your studio. Mm. Yes, it is in Hawaii. I would like to say though, if you, if knowing you, if you were creating a studio in Montana, there would be elements that would be translated to the geography. Is that fair to say? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So although the children are exceptionally gifted to be surrounded by open windows and luscious beauty out the window there is also a tactile warmth yes. inside the classroom that myself and others have literally had a visceral response some awe and I'll be honest a little bit of grief because it was yeah. like yeah oh, wait you can be educated like this yes it doesn't have to be pale yes. cold metallic it's institutional beige (laughs) yeah I mean it's that how do they always pick that color I I mean to walk into a classroom where art is hanging and you know there's been a moment where I uh taught a small lesson in your class as you've brought in other you know adults of of excellence depending on the children's age or whatever and to witness these children's self-possession was astonishing it was absolutely inspiring to realize because I think sometimes depending on where you are and what your background is you might hear Waldorf education and not understand the depth and intricacy and I'm going to use the word efficiency because actually when you slow down to include the whole person you actually can take them somewhere well and I mean I get chills when you say that Waldorf education is commonly referred to as oh that's the school that does the art (laughs) Well, it is. And I like to correct that. I I really do. It's very important to me to correct that because I correct it by saying, yes, we are the school that does the art, but we're not the school that where you go to an art class. We are the educational system, the curriculum that uses art to illuminate knowledge. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it sticks 
because you've awakened a feeling to it. But it does mean you need to slow it down. And in our fast paced society these days where we want more, 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 it can trigger some people of thinking they're not getting enough. And it's a it's a hard thing in our in our times to have people have an experience where they realize, oh, less is more. And that's a cliched statement. But what I'm it's not even less. It's that it's embodied. I just want to keep saying that it's embodied and it's ensouled. And when we walk away being moved by something, we're going to remember it. When we do something with our hands and our heart is involved and then we, we understand it, it penetrates all of our physiology. Whereas when it's just being thrown to one part of the body, you know, I can, we can go the other way. It can be only art. I don't believe that that's healthy for the human being either. You know, that's when you lift out of your body and it's all good and it's beautiful and, you know, but it's not grounded in something. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, for me, I, I, I get nourished just hearing some of the philosophies that you work with mm. um, because they're true. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm a little biased, Kate, but I believe that it's true. That's fine. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I'm allowed to have my opinion on what's true. Um, but we are humans. So it doesn't matter if you lean in, like, we are humans. We, we do have all those pieces that you've spoken to, whether we acknowledge them or not, they exist. Mm. So we have a woman teaching a phenomenal service of an education and then, st- and, and loving what you do, even though you're, you're saying your body and, and yourself is knowing that this is coming to an end and life is moving. You is kind of saying, no, you're doing this. The reality is, is that you buttoned up your life and went on a major sojourn. I did. How long were you away from home? Um, I was away for six months. So <laughs> I, I was stopping the school. I knew that I needed a break. I was inspired to, I needed, you know, living on an island very far out in the ocean. It's, we have to work hard at uh, finding new inspiration and there's, there was a body of work that I was, had been inspired by and uh, wanted very deeply to know more. And I figured what better time than in this transition of teaching the kids and committing to the adults to leave and give myself a break, re- mm-hmm. fill, refill up my cup and fill it up with something that I was very passionate about and wanted passionate about and wanted to know more about. So I you know, it's harder to do that when we're older than in our 20s. <laughs> That's what I want people to hear. Like you were ah! midstream. It wasn't like, oh, this is my travel year no. and I'm leaving moms no. or I'm just taking a year in co- whatever or waitressing. That is not what this was. This was a business, a home, yeah. a d- total pivot moment. Like you had mentioned, it was a destiny yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, this was not just sitting on Oh, I have this major safety net. I want that to be noted. No, I had to work very, very hard to raise the money to figure out how to transition my property, my studio into other hands for six months and be well cared for. And, and financially 
be able to support myself for six months and pay for another training and go abroad. And, you know, there was a lot to it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think that's important to acknowledge because sometimes people hear, I like to the behind the scenes so that if you're sitting on your couch wondering, you're like, Oh, you had to work too. Like it wasn't necessarily handed, but there was a commitment and that seems to be a big thing. Well, here's something, here's, here's a beautiful story to that. So I flew to England to work with this woman and she used to teach in a school that taught what I was learning, but the school doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. And what were you learning? Let's just, Oh so yeah, can sorry. Try. Yeah. That's really good. Thank okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> I was learning what is um, called biographical counseling or biographical work. And so it's working with people's biographies very intimately from a, again, a holistic spiritual um perspective um and I had learned a little bit of it in my early 20s and was fascinated by it and wanted to know more so um biographical counseling you work one-on-one biographical work you work with people's biographies within a group Mm. so there was a woman in England where I did my original um, Waldorf training who had been she wasn't the school that she taught in that taught this work doesn't exist anymore. And a friend of mine knew her and went to her and said, I have this woman friend who really wants to learn this. And I'm wondering if you would do a custom training for her. And my friend went on and on and on. She does this and she does this and she's accomplished this. And she's this kind of human being. and was really building me up, you know, a true cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And when I got to, England and to my teacher because she said yes in our first session she sat down and we were sort of you know acknowledging what it took for us to sit in the same room together and she said you know when Annie came to me and was going on and on and talking about all of your accomplishments internally I was rolling my eyes (laughs) (laughs) she said I don't often say yes she said, but at the very end of her monologue, she took a breath and she said, she's going to have to work really hard to get here. And it's that important to her. And Ileana paused and she said, that's the moment I said yes, because I wanted to meet your striving. And it silenced me. I thought, what a profound thing that it it was that that she was moving towards me with it, You know, it was my, it, if it had come easily and I could just fly over there, it might not have happened, Kate, but I had to work Isn't to do it and I had, and I mm-hmm. had to want it that badly. And so that I needed to rise and in my rising or striving, she came forward and it, that was just a very potent beginning for me of um, being met in such a deep way, which, yeah, so anyway. I think those spaces acknowledge, which I, I would use the word closer to apprenticeship because of its intimacy. Would that be fair? Like it, it, it wasn't yes. something that was, okay. And when wisdom traditions meet in that way. Yeah. W- it's a reminder to us that not everything comes in a guaranteed, predictable fashion. And in fact, some of the greatest things come in places where you really can't see further than six feet in front of you. Right. Or six inches, really. Yeah. 
So you're um, sitting with someone who the seed was planted. I mean, it is the same family of wisdom. Is that fair to say? So the Waldorf. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Sorry. And no, you're not. Yeah. I, um, I'm just asking because I, I feel like one of the, I'd love to talk a little bit about the biography biography work. And I feel like, well, there's two things. One, there was a, a phrase I heard recently that I shared with you and asking to come on and talk about, um, you have to consume what you create. And that phrase is, is still working in my brain about what that means to me. And I recently, my son's birthday was in October. And this year I printed a year's worth of photos, which is something I guess some people don't do anymore, but I, I came from a life of printed photos <laughs> and um, he likes to look at them. I don't want to be on the phone. You know, yeah, I want him to be yeah. able to like Hold see it. his pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I was printing in the year that is 2020, that, has so many adjectives to it. I was confronted with the reality of how much beauty was in that year. Mm. Oh, right. We were in the Florida. Mm. Oh, right. We were in Kauai. Mm. Oh, right. Spend time with his cousins. Oh. And so I was sitting with, I'm not downplaying the other reality of 2020, but I am looking in the images of a child that was gallivanting and, and that I might have been missing that beauty if I didn't make space to integrate it. Yeah. Because the unknown and the, all the things that aren't the way that I had, you know, kind of been shucking and jiving as we do when we live our life and we think we're, Oh, I'm just going with the flow, but we're actually constantly manipulating to get where we want to go, which is good and not good. Um, It hit me very profoundly of like, Oh, this is what they're talking about. Whoever the they is about, you know, being in the present moment. You know, because those moments existed too. And so I'm fascinated about the idea of, of the biography work. And if you can, I know it is vast. And so I have no uh, expectation that it can be encapsulated. But can you, in a year where people are sitting with, you know, during different parts of the year, I know this is a very long lead in, um, so go wherever you would like, but people talk about, oh, well, there's been a lot of economic change. So a lot of new businesses will start. There's going to, you know, so people are sitting with their, their life has been reorganized. Their economy has been reorganized, good, bad, or indifferently. And that brings up, well, is this the time for me to, or, and I feel like if you if you aren't digesting what you've already created, it might be really hard to hear where the road is trying to lead you. And so I feel like your biography work isn't prescriptive, but I feel like it somehow addresses that. Well, I mean, I can give an example that I, that I think will relate to what you were talking about with printing out the photos for your son. Um, So in the biography work, there's a lot of different ways that I can can do sessions with people if it's the full meal deal where we really go through your entire life then I stand witness and I'm there to facilitate and bring forward the stories of your life and we tangibly we tangibly write them down so that we can start to see patterns see mirroring moments see planetary moments but one of my jobs as the person that is accompanying you, companioning you, is to f- 
typically, I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, I'm always, typically what we do in life is that when we're talking about something that has been big is we go to the trauma hit. We go to where it was painful and we retell the story. And what happens is we get in this loop of telling the, the story in the same way over and over and over again. And so one of my jobs, one of them, is to help broaden and contextualize the events. So 2020, you know, we, we've, we've sort of washed over 2020 with these, with these catchphrases, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it, it can put it in a negative view. We're, we're making fun of how intense it has been. And this is all true. But like you said, when you got out the photos, you went, oh, wait, we were here and we were here and there was this moment and there was this moment. And so what I'm doing when I'm listening, hopefully I'm being a skillful question asker, is that I'm, I'm helping you to bring out the context of the whole, the whole story. So where was it located? Was it sunrise or sunset? Were there flowers blooming? Was there another person there? What else happened in that week? Who was the helper that you, you didn't even know? So that you begin to see it from, again, using this word, it's our buzzword in our podcast, is that you begin to put it in a holistic environment. So it's not just, yes, we were hit by the trauma. Yes, it affected us in a particular way. I had a woman who one of her, her uh, biggest events in her life was a very, a major car crash when she was little and which her whole family was in the car. And as we were exploring that moment and we would constantly come back to it in our sessions as we moved through her life, because it was such a poignant moment that she said at one point, you know, through this work, I've started to go back to that moment and I actually raised above the car crash and saw that there was a beautiful sky in the background and that there were people coming to help us. And she'd never saw that part of that event before. She pulled back and she was like, oh, it was a beautiful day. So I don't know if that's... Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> so so <laughs> again, it's... It's work where we start to rearrange how we're relating to life and we begin to see it in a broader view. I always say that um, if I were to kind of essence it, that I'm hopefully going to offer you a bird's eye perspective of your life. Does that scare some people? They're terrified. Until, yeah, no, it does. (laughs) I mean, I have people slinking (laughs) through the door, you know. (laughs) <laughs> well, our, you know, life is confronting in our own life. We, you know, I have mm-hmm. this, there's this phrase in the, in the bio, biographical world that, you know, your life is your dignity. And, mm. you know, whether I'm teaching the biography work in my course, Create Yourself Awake, or I'm doing private biographical sessions, or I'm working in, in groups, I watch people's faces when I say that, and they can pause And then ask me, well, what does that really mean? I had that happen in my six-month course just recently. Well, what does that really mean? And I said, what does it mean to you? And the woman said, I'm not really sure. And I said, are there any moments in your life where you put your head down when you're talking about them? She said, oh, yeah. And I said, well, that's what I'm talking about. I want us to be able to rise 
and I want our shoulders to go back and down. I want our eyes to soften and I want us to be able to speak those stories without a constriction in the throat and to rise into the dignity of all of our life, not just the accomplishments. I'm giving that pause. <laughs> well, I, because who doesn't want to say that about, Oh, and it's life? hard. I mean, who doesn't put their head down in some moment, right? Well, that's, yeah. that was my next, well, that was my next thing is that we, we all have, even the first two moments we might want to share, there are two others right. that are asking not right. to be seen. So that invitation is a profound one. And I'm wondering just in a, you know, a conversation, uh, not in like a definitive, um, I'm wondering in working with different people and I, I'm, I'm certain that it, everyone is different. I'm also certain there is a commonality. And so what are you seeing as some of the things that help people reclaim dignity? Like, what, yeah, what have you seen? Because I'm actually fascinated. What, what do you feel or are you learning? Meaning if you're an artist, you're like, okay, well, I, I don't know what brush I'm going to use, but if I'm working with this texture, it'll probably be one of these three. So are you starting to see a tenor that will help that even in it? though it will be specific to each person. Do you have any insight for us that we can tuck into our own pockets for self-exploration? Mm, well, <clears throat> mm. one of the things that comes up for me is, is working with somebody consistently over a long period of time. And that when we do that, we allow, you know, I always, I think about a flower unfolding, right, in the plant kingdom. So if we're watching a flower, you've mm -hmm. seen those time-lapse videos where they speed it up, right? Mm -hmm. So they speed it up. So we're watching the whole mm -hmm. unfoldment. We're like, wow. But in real time, you'd have to be sitting next to the flower 24 hours a day for a few days to watch it unfold. And you wouldn't actually probably notice it, that it was happening. And suddenly it's unfolded. You know what I'm talking about? And I do. Yeah. We are, again, I, I come back to this. We're living in a very fast paced time where we want sound bites, memes, YouTube videos that are two minutes long. And in my experience, I know I'm a tourist and I move very slow. I live on Kauai, but I think that healing takes time and perspective takes time. And really what I'm trying to do is educate your, your, your perspective muscles so that you begin to change how you view and see your life and other, right? So it's not just about self. I always say the biography work is about self, other, and spirit or something bigger than ourselves. And that takes time to change habits, to begin to see life differently, to strengthen that muscle of perception so, so that we can see self and other in a different way. So that's one thing that I think it takes time. Um, can you re-ask the question one more time? Sure. I think you're taking us on the journey. Well, there's something else I wanted. That was more Well, needed. there was something else I wanted okay. to say, but I kind of need to hear the question again. So when it, sure. So when you talk about that moment of rising to dignity, 
are there hues or tonalities that you've noticed working with so many different people that kind of help us? Mm -hmm. Well, this is one of the reasons, I mean, my favorite thing is working with groups. I mean, like you, I'm a, I'm a teacher. And so when I'm working in a group with biography work or creativity in general, when we're hearing other people's stories, again, it contextualizes our own life. And so Mm -hmm. you, when you hear that somebody else is, it's not the same exact story, but there's an overarching theme or archetype in the story that, that um, matches your own. And it helps you to realize that life is not all about me and my, my traumas that we all have them. And, and it's a, it's how life. Okay. Here's really what I want to say. Thank you, Kate, for being patient with me. Life is cyclic. And that's what I like to illuminate that there's a breathing in and there's a breathing out. There's a waning and there's a waxing there's happiness and there's sadness. And of course, as we grow and get older and gather tools, we are able to keep our equanimity more and more, but it doesn't change the duality of life. It's our relationship to the duality that can change. And so the more that I, I like to also teach um, Rudolf Steiner's view of human development. And most of us get a, if we ever get any kind of development uh, education, it's usually child development. So we might get zero to seven and maybe seven to 14 and maybe some high school. But for the most part, we don't go past that. And I really love teaching this very deep wisdom filled otherworldly view on the unfoldment of the human being. And when we, again, contextualize life in that way and see that there are themes, that there are things coming, that there's a contraction and an expansion in life and that there are cycles, it lets us rest in that dignity more of like, oh, it's not just me and my life, it's how life is. And we can settle Mm -hmm. into a breathing into it a little more uh, with more calm and vitality and acceptance. Can you talk more about cycles? How do you, how, if an adult is, might be hearing for the first time that there is development, because we, we do, we just are like, and then you're grown. It's just the physical. And then you're grown. <laughs> Off with you. Right. <laughs> right. And so can you address a little bit of, of that in what in whatever area you've seen that whether it's your create yourself awake course your biography work what would you like to say to the the adults that walk into that studio or are listening and they go oh it could have been like this are we lost has the moment passed gosh you could get you're you're touching on one of my near and dear subjects i could go in so many directions um so we are surrounded by natural cycles and I like to connect into those more and more. So there's moon cycles, there's seasonal cycles, there's yearly cycles. You know, there's, um, I always say I have parents that call me and say, I put my child in a new school and they're struggling. And I always say, how many weeks has it been? (laughs) Well, it's been a week and I say I wouldn't make any decisions until they've gone through a full moon cycle. You have to allow allow the 
the expansion and the contraction to see where we're really at until you ride that wave all the way through it's hard to get a clear picture so in create yourself awake my six-month course on creativity I start that off with a view into the creative cycle and I I do it through the elements I I use a an eastern perspective using five elements with with space or ether but it what I'm trying to illuminate is that whether or not you start with fire and you move to air and then to water it doesn't matter to me where you start in the circle you start somewhere and it continues it doesn't end and until you understand each of the elements within that cycle you'll hit one which is usually your weak link we always have one that is our weak link and then you want to walk away because it's difficult and I go if you understand that that's where Mm. you get stuck but there's this thing on the other side that happens you can breathe through it so there's that in the biography work you know Steiner views human development through seven year cycles and each seven year cycle is ruled by a planet and you don't need to understand or even believe in that to engage in the work i hold that space for you but those seven year cycles what we like to say in this in this work is that each cycle is maturing an organ of perception now that's a mouthful and i'm going to say it again so each cycle is maturing an organ of perception. And how I translate that is that I always say, it's like my mantra, the human being is unfinished. The human being is unfinished. It's not that we turn 18 and we got our stuff together and we're an adult, right? we're, We're of age, but there are things that we are still learning. We're still maturing certain perceptions in our 70s and our 80s. And each one we, that begins actually pre-birth, but we don't need to get into that. When we come into a body from zero to seven, there are certain things that we're maturing and we need that to move into the next one. We need that to move into the next one. And so it anchors us into, oh, it's not that I arrive somewhere. It's that I'm, I'm building, you know, it's like a tree growing. I'm I'm building and and, uh, fortifying uh, a maturity in life that is continuous and never ending. I feel that that is such a significant reminder because I I feel like we've bought into, been bamboozled, but then wholly bought into arriving. Yes. Oh, that's a destination. Danger. Well, yeah, but I mean, put what you're saying and the, and the tempo that it creates versus performance measurement performance measurement done. you know we're never done it, they're just no, two we're never, totally the different being is unfinished. Right. the human being is unfinished it is and how beautiful how beautiful <laughs> because we have more that we can learn and grow and stretch into you know there was a very wise teacher that I, said to me once God, he's, he was so amazing. It was in my 20s. And he said, the worst thing we can ever do to a, to a human being, sorry, the worst thing we can ever do to a human being is believe that they cannot change. Hmm. How often have we said that about our parents? My dad's never going to change, right? <laughs> 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 oh, God. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. what a tragedy. 
to stop that room for them to move into into new vistas at any age. Mm. And yourself, because I feel oh, like there yourself. is, depending yeah. on who you're surrounded, Right, who you have surrounded yeah. yourself with, if all of the people around you are also bought into the, well, that's over, you know, because it can't look exactly this right. way, it's over. Um, but I would imagine just listening to you to be reminded that I'm unfinished would give, would at least give me a chance at giving myself permission for the dignity that you exactly. spoke of earlier. Exactly. And when you have, we have, you know, when I'm teaching the, I don't teach the overview of the human development when I'm working one-on-one with people. I do that more in a group. But when I'm doing that in a group, there's a catchphrase, which I really love. And it's to see the truth, we must first have the imagination for the whole. So to see the truth, we must first have the Hmm. imagination for the whole. And it's why I love giving a sweep of human development, because if we can go, oh, and we reach back into our past when we hear a developmental perspective, but also into the future of, oh, this is where I'm going. It's not a fixed box. Human life and destiny is dynamic and unpredictable and how wonderful. But there are themes and archetypes that we can rest into as a container to hold us as we're growing through this life and when we can get an imagination imagination leaves room there right it's not a fixed state when we have an imagination for the Mm -hmm. whole there's there's more truth that can come forward I mean, we could have you on here every other week for a year. The the invitations. <laughs> I'm funny. just saying the invitation to the human spirit because I feel like there's a lot of constriction and dehydration. Oh, sure. And those are not fertile ground for what you're talking about. But planting these seeds. I recently saw someone, um, you know, they were kind of giving their opinion and uh it was on Instagram and somebody said, you know, how do you, how, how, how can mm. you keep going? And the man answered, he said, I plant the seeds. God does the oh, water. Beautiful. beautiful. I just found that yeah. so refreshing because as soon as I feel like I'm responsible for dynamic divine growth, which is the plant growing, I've already lost sight of what my purpose is. Yep. Cause that's impossible. It is. <laughs> Right. And yet that's sort of where we keep putting ourselves in like, well, we have achieved it when I have created uh, the I have some I have achieved something that is actually not in my purview, as opposed to going when I hear you speak, the 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 peripheral goes wide and deep, like it goes all directions, not just singular. I um. I, I guess the other thing, I'm, I'm kind of making a little bit of a turn here right. because I feel like what you spoke kind of is, is its own fruition. And you teach, so if you're listening and you're like, she teaches a lot, the answer is yes. Um, there's form <laughs> drawing. And it, I, would li- <laughs> I would like you to address form drawing because in one of our conversations, you mentioned that you know, the, the creativity of the hands, 
can still the mind. Or I might no, be not using the exact good. right language, but can you tell us a little bit about form drawing? And and I also like listeners to be able to, you know, go big and broad. And then sometimes there's something you can take away in your own pocket. And I feel like form drawing is an invitation that can be accessible to everyone. So let's orientate people who are like, what is form drawing? If you actually look form drawing up in Google, you'll get uh, life drawings, right, of the human being. In in my world, form drawing is, you can think of a Celtic knot, that's a form. So they're balanced line drawings is another uh, that are symmetrically cohesive, sometimes incredibly complicated. If you've ever seen a Celtic cross or the old illuminated manuscripts with the borders, those are form drawings. Mm. They're huge in Waldorf education. It's how writing is introduced. So, you know, I, I always say if you look out into nature, into the natural world, that everything is a straight line or a curve. And I realize that it's not exactly straight, but, um, but to the human eye, yes, everything I, is straight mm-hmm. or curved. Yeah. And people that say, I'm not an artist, I go, well, let's just start with form drawing. Can you draw a straight line and a curve? Can you learn how to draw a circle that is balanced? And with the children, it's the precursor to the letters. It's the, it's the precursor to cursive hmm. writing. You know, on the first day of, of first grade, we put the straight line and the curve up there and we start with spirals and circles and dots. And it's, it's the foundation of life. Now, I don't say that lightly. I'm, I'm a form drawing geek. I really love it. it. It speaks to me. If you see the complicated Celtic crosses or knots, I always say form drawing has a very deep relationship to space. And when we can orientate ourselves correctly in space, life becomes more balanced. And I, when I'm teaching a form drawing class in the beginning, I'll kind of slouch my posture or lean to one side on my leg and slump my shoulders. And I say, if I were to stand in front of you like this as an educator, would you take me seriously? And they all say no. And when mm-hmm. I bring myself up into alignment, you'll, you can totally relate to this as a, as a deep body worker. When I bring myself into alignment and I present myself and move into the world with that, with that posture, I'm received in a different way. And form drawing is a tangible way of using your hands to orientate you to spatial direction. So there's top, bottom, left, right, front, back, negative, positive space. And when we can, I could trace the forms right? But when I have to Mm -hmm. find the balance of the form on the page with my own hand, and I always say that the the hands are the coachman for the eye horses, right? Like it's a relationship between eye and hand. And when I have to orientate balance and space in a two-dimensional way, I have to massage it into balance. It doesn't happen. And that's where I think the beauty begins. And that's where the therapy is in form drawing is when you're drawing, And I always say, you're never going to get the form. Well, maybe not never, unless you're, you know, come in like that. But most people don't get the form really balanced for the first time on the page. And I say, (laughs) please don't stop there. It's like the unfinished human being. Keep massaging. When you reach up into, you see that that upper left-hand quadrant is 
you know, not balanced to the right one, then massage it out when you go around that curve again and bring it into balance. And it's that working it and going over and over and over that we learn that changing a habit or coming into balance, and I do mean this very metaphorically as well as practically on the page, it takes time and presence and attention. So the form drawing to me is a very therapeutic medium. Um, I like it because it translates, the languaging for me translates to the metaphors in life very easily. It's, it's a simple language that people can get. Oh, that's how it, you know, I always say also it relates to the physiology. If you've got a, a crunched up spot in your form in the lower left hand, maybe you've got uh, your left hip is out. It can, it can be as simple as that. Um, I don't know if I've gone where you want me to with form drawing, but I could go on. I'll, I'll pause and let you ask. So uh, you know what's <laughs> funny for the, for the, for the listener, when you, we talked about the dance of when you know someone well, right. The, the inhale and the, the exhale of, of um, space. And I, and as I'm listening to you, I want to remind the reader if you're, or the listener, if you're intrigued, there's actually formdrawing.com. Kim has uh, some of her work up there. And I, and, and I feel like, when someone really has a craft, you know, the work, the journey of that craft, right? So we could say your biography, you know, some people might say, oh, well, your biography work just started, no. but it didn't yes. because it rides on the development of so many, you know, and it's also interesting what one thing I'm really enjoying um, about the podcast Rebirth is asking people these questions because you start to hear very commonly when someone has a large culmination, you'll hear them say, well, in my 20s, right. I... And then a life life journey happens. And then somewhere in their 40s and 50s, they say, yeah. so now I am. And it's beautiful reminder of, you know, that I think I will tuck into my pocket that that unfinished human, because that's grace that in my type A-ness, I could definitely ser be served by and those around me could be served by. And I feel like form drawing, one is a mother. I mean, my child's a little young, right? So we're just excited that like, the excavators that he's drawing are being translated from his eye to the page, no matter what they look like, they're being expressed. But the idea for children that are spending a lot of time in their head because of current uh. educational expectations and maybe I, mm -hmm, that's another episode, if we make time for us and, you know, for some of the mothers that are in a colder area, they're all talking yeah. about winter, you know, we will still be going outside, but it's different, but form drawing and bringing even if it's not official, right? In some ways, the invitation to this, which you could practice, meaning if you're an adult, you have the space to go deeply into a practice. And if you're an adult that has a child in your purview, you could bring something simple where together you're starting to come into concentration yeah. and focus. I, you right? know, there's a whole movement, which I may trigger some people here of, you know, meditation for children, which I, I strongly disagree with from a child development perspective. Children are meant to be active and moving. That is where they are. Or that's where they're at in our, in their development and different at different ages. Meditation is a very adult activity, quieting the mind. For me, a child's meditation is form drawing or knitting their hands are busy and mm. it's the rhythm that takes you into the quiet mind. It's the rhythm that calms the nervous system, but it's active. 
it's not frenetic it's it's rhythmical and it's so healthy for the circulation going left and right in the brain which form drawing does so beautifully it crosses that midline right so yes 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 <laughs> i'm going to share a little personal story because i feel like it addresses your professional journey a little bit I had shared in one of my other episodes, I'm not going to go super deep into it, but that, you know, I had a son and it was a home birth or an emergency C-section. And I have been blessed by having really amazing different beings of which Kim is one that has um, a friendship, but also a wealth of wisdom. And I believe that and have part of my belief has been um, bred by the people around me that have shown me something that I probably wouldn't have come to on my own family line that you can rehabilitate a birth story you can integrate a birth story and so while I was that was really up for my Mm. son and I and that's a different story you know the intricacies of that but I had called on Kim and I was like isn't there a Waldorf (laughs) thing we can do (laughs) you know (laughs) self-appointed fairy godmother isn't there in your Mary Poppins bag something we can do and um Kim had, we worked together to create a little bit of a story about, you know, a bird coming out of its um, egg. And I really wanted that to work. And so the first thing I realized after I told him the story the first Mm. time is that I can't do it because I so wanted it to work. Right. There was no joy in this whimsical tale that had rhythm and purposeful animals and all this joy. And I was just moving from East coast Yang of (laughs) this will fix. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I'm just being honest. Right. So I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. And so I stopped for like a week or two and then we read it a couple of times, you know, and I'm going to tell this from my perspective, not from a person who was gifted Mm -hmm. with young children's perspective. I thought, okay, But then, you know, about three or four months later, someone recommended the book not related because I said, oh, we're going to study birds. Well, we read a Mm. book called My Nest is Best. And we and he started talking about birds and eggs and birds and eggs. And then all of a sudden he started talking about Mm. him and him coming out. And then another month or two after that, he told me I got Mm. stuck and mommy needed to help me. And I thought. This was six, seven months, mm-hmm. the story. And I feel like I get such benefit um, from your wisdom that part of the reason I wanted to put out into a world that wants us to speed up that I knew enough in my brain, although it was not connected to my actions, that the way I was approaching helping him was the antithesis of what he needed. Yet, Yet I kept going you know, and part of that meant learning from a different skill set, mm-hmm. you know, the softness of it. And then all of a sudden he popped out on his, his own, own with that yeah. Yeah. story. Yeah, it wasn't prompted. And I'm sharing that as a compliment, as an insight. And perhaps what I'm hearing for myself is we can give ourselves that timing too. That's not just something we have to afford our children. Yeah, beautiful, Kate. And when we do... We are. Gi- I mean, you just experienced it. You're giving. You're giving it to your children. It has to start with us. Exactly. 
Kim, I thank you 108 times for making the time and space to share some of your insights on rebirth. And we definitely want to have you back. And if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I need to hear more of what Kim has to say. There's a couple places that you could be found. Correct. Is that true? Form drawing is one website um, specifically for that. Create Yourself Awake. Is that your primary website? I would say yes. It's the website that is um, gives a full scope of my six-month course on creativity. And it it gives a real window into my relationship as a to me as a creative arts therapist so to work more with Kim Orietta please go to createyourselfawake.com and or evolutionarybiography.com to find out about her biography work her art therapy work And if you feel called to work with her or you're curious, send her an email, tell her that you heard about her work at the Rebirth Podcast and um, set up a consultation to see if she has the alchemy that you're needing. I can personally attest that she has a wide toolkit to help the head, heart, and hands of this human life. We at Rebirth appreciate you. Thank you for liking, subscribing, donating, sharing, even um, those of you who have been leaving testimonials or um, reviews on Apple and Stitcher. It helps another person find us. So that's a great way to give back to Rebirth. Our last season, our last episode for season three is December 21st and we'll be back in season four. We are accepting sponsorships. If you have something that you feel really resonates with our community, please send an email to kate at katebrenton.com and reference the Rebirth podcast. As always, thanks for listening.